Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And today we're continuing on in a series that we've entitled Sent. Uh, we're looking in the book of Acts at some of the journeys the Apostle Paul went on. And what's interesting to realize is that the word apostle just means one who is sent. So the Apostle Paul was Paul, the one who was sent by Jesus. I mean, he had a commission to go and tell the world about Jesus. Well, we have that same commission. And so during this series, we've been talking about journeys that Paul went on, and then also some of the journeys that God has taken some of our own members, people involved in our church, where they're being sent right now. Because one of the things we always want people to do is engage the Bible in their own terms and to say, well, on their own terms and say, well, how does this apply to me? And being sent is something all of us can relate to. Because God sends some of us to uh, far corners of the world, like the Apostle Paul. We have missionaries from this church who've done that. Others he sends to needs right in our hometown. And today you're going to meet some folks who have a great burden for some people who really need our help. So I'd like to have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can look at your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Lord, it guides us in how to live. It guides us on the priority of making sure that uh, the good news of Jesus is carried around the world and real needs are met and real problems are addressed. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you uh, that we can gather together today and learn a little bit together. Pray that you'll bless our time. Pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Point one on your outline is simply this, that sent people rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. On the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, he told it right before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, you'll receive power. And if you circle that word power there, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. When you hear uh, a little bit, some of the, about this adventure that Paul had in Ephesus that we're looking at today, and when you read about any of the disciples, you go, how'd they have the courage to do that? How'd they have the ability to do that? How did they do it? They were ordinary people. Well, the Holy Spirit empowered them. And that's the good news about this. When God sends us out to be his witnesses, he doesn't send us out, out on our own strength. He empowers us through the Holy Spirit, gives us courage, gives us strength, gives us wisdom. If that's good news, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Here's what happened to Paul when he was in Ephesus, and he this is how it started out. You'll see this, takes, this story takes some interesting twists and turns from Acts 19. Paul traveled to the interior regions. It's the interior regions of Asia Minor. Today we would just call that Turkey. So Paul traveled to the interior regions of Turkey until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them? No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Well, then what baptism did you experience, he asked. They replied, the baptism of John. He's talking about John the Baptist. Um, the baptism of John. And Paul said, well, John's baptism called repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who had come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. That's exactly what had happened to the disciples at Pentecost. Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came, and they knew when the Holy Spirit came because tongues of fire appeared above their heads, and they were able to speak in languages they had not learned. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Well, the same thing happened now in Ephesus. It had happened in Jerusalem. Now it happened in Ephesus. And they received power. And they're going to need it because you're going to see here what happened next. But here's a life application before we move on. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Paul wrote this to the Philippians. That's not a promise just for the disciples uh, that Jesus talked to in person. This is a promise for all of us. Listen to it again. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Could we read that verse out loud, please? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And this is what's been so fascinating as we've gone through this series on scent. Every time we bring up somebody from our church who says, hey, I feel sent to this part of the world or to this group of people to meet this need, it's always interesting. God was placing a desire in them and then the power and the courage to get it done. So don't miss this. Sent people rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Point two, sent people will fight spiritual battles. Not only do we rely on the Holy Spirit, we're going to need the Holy Spirit because in this world, uh, there are devils. There are demons. That's real. The devil is real. Demons are real. Jesus talked this way. The disciples talked this way. You're going to see this clearly in what happens next in Ephesus. But let me even take you back to John 17. Before uh, Jesus was crucified, in John 17, he had a prayer for his disciples. He prayed that they would be one. He prayed that they would be able to carry out their mission. He also prayed for protection for them. These are a few verses from John 17. Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one, the devil. Jesus prayed this. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I'm praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed for his disciples and their disciples and so on down to us that our Heavenly Father would protect us from the evil one. Now, this is terribly important because there are evil things that happen in our world. There are demonic influences driving things. You'll hear about some of this in just a moment here. That applies to us in Alabama. But let me hit point A real quickly. Sent people will battle unseen demonic forces that influence people, cultures, and nations toward evil. Here's how it worked out when Paul was in Ephesus. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months. Every time he got to a new city, he was a rabbi. He'd always start with the Jewish people first, telling them, hey, the Messiah that's been prophesied in the Old Testament, well, he's come. His name's Jesus. Let me tell you about him. So for the next three months, he went there arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God, but some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily sessions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Tyrannus was a local philosopher. Uh, the way it worked in those days, that between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m., people would break for lunch and they'd take some time off. You'd have classes in the morning. You'd have uh, lectures in the morning and the evening. Uh, that's the way they did it. There was no air conditioning, no electricity. But in the middle of the day, um, the halls were open. So Paul, who made a living making tents and working with leather and other things, he would go and work in the mornings and in the evenings. But in the middle of the day, from 11 to 4, he'd rent out this lecture hall when nobody else was using it. And he had people come and go from all over Turkey, uh, and he instructed many people about Jesus. And he took advantage of the hall when it was open. He held daily discussions, the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord 
heard the word of the Lord. Now God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had been merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. There was a group of Jews that was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches to come out. Now seven sons of Siva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly throughout Ephesus, so to Jews and Greeks alike, and a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Well, I guess so. And many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books, burned them in a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars, and so the message of the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. If you go to Ephesus today, there's a huge archaeological dig there. You can find exactly where Paul would have been standing, where the synagogue had been, where they'd burned these scrolls. All this is real. But when I talk about these stories, I've met with people before, and they go, John, you, you, seriously, you, you cannot believe that's a real story. That's got to be myth. That's got to be legend. I mean, demons, people shrieking, running around naked and bleeding. Come on. There's no evil like that. That stuff doesn't happen. Well, I want to make a connection for you how this would apply to you and me. And so if I could ask you all to come up. Lauren and Jay Harton are with me this morning because I want you to understand, and this is what we try to do, as I said, in this series the whole way through, we've wanted to let you meet people who are sent and who are dealing with some of the same issues that, would, that people dealt with in Bible time. So good morning, y'all. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Okay, so Lauren... Um, God put a burden on your heart. You feel like God sent you into to starting a ministry right here locally. Uh, tell everybody kind of how that came about. Yeah, so uh, my story really begins in this with this ministry when I was actually in college. So this was 2003, 2004. And the, the concept of human trafficking was just starting to be talked about. It, it, it first became a federal law um, that made it a crime in 2000 in our country. So um, as I began to learn about this, God just placed a burden on my heart um, and so as I progressed in my education, um, I decided uh, to, to try to, um, to go to law school and try to use that education somehow to help this particular population of people. And um, that's, that's kind of, um, in, in working through uh, that progression, um, we began to quickly see that uh, there was such a need for children um, who were victims of this crime. Now, Jay, you guys met in law school, right? Yes. And you knew, uh, as you met other things, that this was something that was a burden for Lauren, did you think it would ever turn into something where she's like in full-time ministry now? Toward this? She started her own 501c3 and all this. We'll talk about it in a minute, but did you think that's where it was going? No, I thought it was just going to be a, a sort of a side project for her and part of her overall you know, polit- uh, legal career. But, you know, as we started thinking about looking and seeing this big need, we, you know, in uh, 2014, we started looking at organizing this we realized, like, you know, we might have to step away from this, and we're going to have to go a lot further than we intended, but that's what God was putting on our heart. Right, and the reason you wanted, you thought it was a bigger need was, this is a big problem, right? Yeah, so, you know, I want to make sure that we all understand what we talk about when we use the term human trafficking. So what we mean is that it's, it's, it happens when one person compels another person to commit either a commercial sex act or forced labor. 
And so this is a huge problem in our country and in our state. Um, the, the, the way that we kind of gauge that is we look at how widespread it is, and we also look at the degree of trauma that's experienced by the victims. So we focus on children, so we'll, we'll speak a lot about children today. Um, but it, it, it is so widespread. We know in our country that currently right now today in 2018, it's the, the second largest crime in our country, uh, but it's also the fastest growing crime. And, you know, think about that. It's, that's unbelievable. It's hard to understand. Um, but it, the, right now, the, the, the biggest crime in our country is the sale of illegal drugs. And um, why, that's, um, why that is and why, why human trafficking is the fastest growing crime is that you can take a drug and sell it once and it's consumed. Um, but with a human being, you can sell that person over and over and over. And you can just imagine how lucrative that becomes and, and how much money is made by the traffickers. And when we're talking about this human trafficking, I mean, like how young does this start? Yeah, the, the average age of entry for a child into sex trafficking is between the ages, ages of 11 and 14 years old. Um, the youngest case that we've been briefed on in our state, in Alabama, is uh, it was a three-year-old child. And um, this is just, you know, again, it's hard to wrap our minds around this level of evil. And Jay, I mean, comment on that. I mean, like, when you, t when you said that the last hour, it's just like, this really is evil. I mean, we're talking, this isn't just some people who are just making some money. I mean, this is far beyond that. This is treating people like commodities, right? Right, absolutely. And we look at just the inhumane level of treatment that's going on here. When we look to the Bible where it describes a devil that he's a lion seeking who he may devour. And that's exactly the pattern we see in these traffickers are going out and seeking who they can identify and who has vulnerabilities that they can exploit so they can then turn to make a profit. And they do. Yeah, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry um, in our country alone and around the world. Um, and it, it's just, um, it's hard to, to really uh, understand the, the statistics that we do have. Um, we, we know that it's a hidden crime. And so um, it thrives in, by being kept in the dark, by being um, hidden from, from our, our sight. And when you talk about, to give a scope of how evil this is, um, you were sharing that, what's the life expectancy once children are involved with this? So um, when, a, when a child uh, becomes a victim, they have an average lifespan beyond that point of seven years. Um, so, you know, if you're talking about 11, 12-year-old, if they make it to their 18th birthday, you know, they're beating the odds. And that speaks to the level of trauma that they experience, you know, physically. Um, they are subjected to horrific work conditions and the level of abuse that is perpetrated on them for the purposes of greed and to fulfill um, and, and feed sexual um, addictions. Um, that's horrific enough, but then beyond that, there's an emotional trauma, um, as you can imagine, and, and a spiritual trauma. And, and oftentimes when we come into the picture, you know, we're meeting these kids on the, the back end, so we see the aftermath of that trauma. On the back side of the outline, you'll see a little ad for the ministry you've set up. And let's talk about that just for a second. You've called it Blanket Fort Hope, and the first time I heard about this, I thought that was such an intriguing name. Where's the name come from? Well, there's a lot of ideas we were working with when we were starting this ministry, and the first one we would think about is the Blanket Fort. Well, I think it's pretty much a universal experience when you're a kid. You would take some couch cushions and chairs, a quilt, throw it over, make a little fort you could crawl into, and as an area where you could feel safe and be creative. And that's what we want for our organization, for the children to see it as a safe place for them. But as an adult, when you think of a fort, you think of like a western where it's like the fort is a place out in the wilderness in the dark where there's safety. 
You know you can go to. And that's where the Calvary is. And most forts, they all have names. We have Fort Knox, Fort Bragg. Well, we want to call ours Fort Hope Hmm. because as Lauren's talking about these stats, you might feel overwhelmed and just see how dark this is, but that's not what we want people to take away. We want people to take away that there is hope in this area. Yeah, and people are becoming aware, and resources are moving toward it, but there's a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the... Like I mentioned earlier, the, the first law wasn't even passed until 2000. And you know, this is a crime that's been happening for thousands of years. You know, we can look in the, the book of Genesis, for example, and look at the story of Joseph even as, um, as a, an example of human trafficking. So it's been happening all these years, but it wasn't until 2000 that we even recognized it as a crime. So you know, we're not even 20 years beyond that, and we're still trying to learn as a community and as a state and as a country um, you know, what exactly is happening and how bad is it and, and how do we address it? Okay, and so a couple of things that you guys are working on, first of all, is providing housing services and care for trafficked children. I mean, one of the things you're developing even now as we speak, and you guys, I heard from you the other day, Lauren, some exciting things you guys are working on for the future, but ultimately you'd love to have a place for every kid that you can identify, a safe place where they could be sheltered, they could be raised by Christians, where they could find hope, right, and healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, a, that's a big part of our mission is to create and develop homes for these children. It's a very unique um, dynamic that we're having to, to battle with this. You know, the things that they've been through, um, you can, they can't just safely be in just any place. Um, there are so many reasons for that, but um, because of that, we want to try to help develop places and homes uh, with people that can not only help them um, begin to heal from their physical trauma, but beyond that, to, to give them, you know, healing and help them to find healing in their spiritual lives and their emotional lives. Um, we believe that every child deserves to know that God loves them. Yeah, and, yeah. and even that's why this, that's the star on the little logo here. Is that what that's for? Um, yeah, the star there is, um, we, were, we were talking about, we were kind of nervous coming up and speaking today, and then uh, when we heard the during the song today, there was a reading from Isaiah, and that really gave us a lot of peace and comfort and just affirmation of what we're doing here today. Because when we first started the ministry, we were sort of, when we were started, when we were really sort of feeling this burden on our heart and trying to decide, you know, is this something we're going to start pursuing full time? I mean, God, what are you, where are you leading us? We came home, and it was getting dark, and we noticed that, you know, the stars were starting to come out, and just God put that uh, passage in our heart. Um, just going to read it again. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by name, because his great power and incomparable strength. Whoop. It's a fun little dark. Not a single one of them is missing. And I, I grew up camping, and I can, I can point out constellations of planets and uh, um, but you take me outside right now on a big blue sky, I, can, I couldn't tell you where any stars were. I could, I could tell you the sun. Um, But otherwise, I I have no idea where they are. But God always knows where the stars are. And he was laying on our heart that that's the same way with these children. That they're in dark, but he knows them. And he knows them by name. And he loves them. And that our mission is to, we're going to be there to, and he's going to enable us and empower us to do this, that we will be able to call them out of that darkness by name. And And that gives us hope. Yeah, you can applaud that. I mean, when we talk about these stories in the Bible where there are wicked people spurred on by demonic forces, and people go, oh, that doesn't exist. That was just legend. That's how they explained mental illness. 
This isn't mental illness. I mean, there may be some of that involved, but this is evil. And these are wicked people who are making money after selling children dozens of times a week, again and again and again. And I guess what's so hard about it is, is that the demand is what's driving it. That's why it's growing. And speak about that for a little bit. These are people all around us, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, guys, we wish that we didn't have to sit here on this you know, platform and, and even talk about this. But that's the reality that we face is when you're talking specifically about sex trafficking, if there was no demand, there would be no crime. You know, um, the demand is what drives it. And so um, it's not that we're just talking here about a few people who are kind of messed up in the head who are perpetuating this. Um, it's perpetuated because people just like you and, and me, who are regular people, um, we are caught within strongholds of sin. And it could be any sort of sexual addiction. Um, it could be pornography. It could be the actual using of, of sexual services. Um, but we're, we, there are so many people who are caught in, in these sins. And so um, these you know, cases come out all over the country and in our state. of people, The people who are buying these services, the people who are trafficking, um, sometimes they are attorneys like myself. Sometimes they're judges, sometimes they're teachers. Um, in our state, we've had a soccer coach. Um, they're all, all professions, all walks of life have been represented. But you know, really what's the tragedy for us here today is that so many of, of, um, of these cases have also involved people who go to church with, with us and who are in churches around our country. They might be pastors, youth pastors. Um, there have been deacons who have been involved. And um, that's the tragedy, right? Because it, when we, when we profess to be followers of Christ, um, what we are saying is that we believe that what God's word says is true. And his word says that we are made in the image of God, right? So we, we have the, we bear the, the and reflect um, God himself through our DNA um, because we're made in his image. Um, but yet human trafficking, it reduces people, um, like John said, to being commodities and to even worse to being less than human so that I can then have the justification to go and, and do whatever I want to this child to, to satisfy my sexual gratification. And so that's the reality we face, and that's a tragedy because it's an affront to God. And children's bodies aren't made for that. God never intended that. This is evil. And so if you're wondering, do we need the Holy Spirit? Are all these stories true? Yes. 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 In that city of Ephesus, there was a temple to the goddess Artemis. And they had male and female and children prostitutes there too. And they were in the trafficking trade just like today. And Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus, and I'd take you back to your outline one more time. I'm, I brought them up. I'm not going to be able to hit everything on here because I wanted you to hit, have more time with them after our first service. I realized I need, you need to hear more. If you go down to the last life application there, that God will send us to bring light into dark places. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, when he wrote them back, here's Ephesians 5.11, he said, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Paul wrote a letter back to the very people who had been there when people had burned all their magic scrolls, the people who lived there with this great big uh, temple to this goddess Artemis where people were doing all these vile things. Sailors would come into port, and it was exactly as wicked as you think it might be. And Paul said, God sent you there to be a light in the darkness. He sent you guys, 
I mean, when I say sent, I mean, this really got to the place where you said, we got to do this, right? Yeah, I mean, we had to make a decision, right? You know, and every day is kind of like that. You, we all decide, you know, are we going to obey what God's calling us to do or are we not? And oftentimes that's not going to be the convenient choice, but um, it's a decision that we all have, and we certainly have that decision as well. Give us a, a little bit of hope here too. I mean, when you do things like this and you give all, God has used you to make a difference in a number of people's lives already. Can you share one incident about that? Yeah, so I, I do want to say also, just like Jay said, this is, you know, we sit here and just hear a couple statistics about this and we're already overwhelmed and, and it's hard to wrap our minds around this and it's very dark and, and seems hopeless. But the good news for all of us, especially as followers of Christ, is that there is hope in Christ. And so there is hope for these children, um, no matter what they've been through. There's hope for the, the people who are perpetuating this. Um, God calls us to, to turn away from these sorts of sins um, and to, to accept his forgiveness for us. There's tremendous hope in that. Um, and then there's hope you know, for us all to stand up as a church and to proclaim that God is a God of justice. Um, and so for us, we were so um, just encouraged um, this past year. You may have heard recently in the news about a story in our area here where um, a couple years ago there were two men from Prattville, um, from our city here right where we are now, um, that were um, decided to traffic a minor child in the Montgomery area. And so, um, Blanket Fort Hope, we sit on a task force with the Middle District of Alabama. Um, and last year, um, the agencies that we sit with, they asked if we could help them uh, with this particular case. And so, uh, one example was that they asked if we could help them um, to provide a place to interview the victim. Um, and so we were so thrilled that our home church of Centerpoint was willing to help us with that. And um, so this, this you know, child who had been through a horrible experience, she was able to have a, a comfortable place you know, to, to tell her story that was very difficult to tell, um, to help in the investigation and to help the prosecution. And we were very thrilled that through the efforts of all these groups in our area um, that we were able to successfully get a conviction this year. And they will not, yeah, that is good. And they're not going to be able to do that again. Not those two. But Jay, you guys even pray for those folks. Because they're, they're in spiritual bond. And some of the people who've been trafficked actually grow up to be tra traffickers. There's a cycle. I mean, isn't that true? That's exactly right. Um, and, you know, God, Jesus calls us to, to love everyone. And, you know, it's, it's easy to love a lovable person. But it's very hard to love a person who is going out and perpetrating these acts. But that's what we're called to do. And we realize that they are deceived people. That, you know, they, the past they come from, it, it, they're, they're just as spiritually wounded as the victims. And that they need prayer too. And um, we have some, uh, on our website, there's some information and resources about prayer guides. And that's one of the things we ask people to pray for, is for the people who are trafficking and for the buyers, for spiritual healing for them as well. Offering human trafficking prevention education for the public. You guys do that too. You speak at high schools, yeah, so civic clubs. I mean, every, anywhere you can to make people aware. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in, in addition to creating these homes and provide services for these children, um, another big goal that we have is to provide prevention education. So the past three years, uh, we have essentially we'll go anywhere that someone invites us. So we go into schools. Um, we we feel like you know, this is this this. Crime is, is really preying upon a whole generation of, of kids. So if we can educate them on, on the dangers and what to look for, um, that can 
really make a world of difference in the life of, of a child or in you know a whole school or a whole state. Um, so we, we try to educate students, we try to educate churches, um, law enforcement, medical um, facilities, teachers, anyone who might interact with these children who could potentially intervene. Um, that's a big part of what we do. Yeah, because it's not just the movie Taken where somebody gets abducted. That does happen, but that's not the norm. A lot of people, kids are recruited online. They're recruited by people they know, even sometimes family members. Am I right on that? Yeah, the, the statistics say that um, only about 1% of these cases are actual abductions, you know, or kidnappings. So the movie Taken, that's like 1%, you know. Um, the rest of it is that these, um, these abusers, they are very intentional about preying upon these children. And so they, there, actual have been, there actually have been manuals that have come out in cases where it's an actual manual on how to prey upon a child. How can you prey upon their vulnerabilities? Um, and we know that all children, by nature of being a child, that they're vulnerable. Um, so this is um, a huge problem, and, and, and that's why we want to try to educate people. Now, I want to remind you of something else. If you go to the very last scripture on your outline, if I could draw you to that, this would be Matthew 16, 18. I want you to be encouraged by something. Uh, when Jesus um, was speaking to Peter, asking him to be the, calling him to leadership in the early church, he said this, and I say unto thee, from the King James Version here, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to underline gates of hell. Gates are defensive. Gates don't chase you. Gates are to keep you out. There is great sin here happening all around us. Human trafficking is happening in Alabama today, right now. There are men, women, boys and girls sold into this. But what should give us courage is, Jesus says, told Peter, when he was going into a dark world, he'd already prayed for him. He'd already prayed, he'd prayed for them many times. He prayed for them that God would protect them, leaving them in the world. But he said, the gates of hell won't prevail against you. When we bring light into the darkness, we're assailing the devil's strongholds. And if we go in the power of the Holy Spirit with the gospel together so we can pray for each other and protect each other, the gates of hell will have to give way. I want you to understand this. This is how much power there is in the name of Jesus. Through Christ, all things are possible. Through Christ. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? One of the ways to fight the devil, it's listed in your bulletin. And again, I just, I think you understand why after we interviewed them the first service, I went, okay, I, I need to commit a lot more time. So you'll please forgive me for not filling out everything in that outline. But I wanted you to hear from Jay and Lauren. I want to have a word of prayer for them. I'm going to pray uh, that God's going to protect them and God's going to empower them. One of the things you'll find when Paul went on his journeys, by the way, he always tra had traveling companions. Maybe some of you want to become their companions. You can go to their website. You can find out how to donate, how to volunteer, how to help them do even the public awareness stuff, and how to pray. We're going to pray right now. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you that these stories of Paul that remind us how he was sent into a dark world, or the stories of how Peter was called the rock and that the gates of hell itself would not be able to hold um, the good news out, 
gracious God, I thank you. Those are words of Jesus who sent us. And we can take them to the bank. And God, right now, I just pray for your hand of protection upon Jay and Lauren. I thank you that you called them. Lord, that you put this burden on them, that you sent them. And Father, I just thank you for the people who have helped already, and I pray that you will multiply their ministry a thousand times over. I pray that you will call people to come alongside. I pray that people will uh, be led to donate, to serve, to help them make people aware. And God, I pray that thousands and thousands of kids will be set free from the evil that's being perpetrated against them through their ministry. Oh God, I pray for an end to human trafficking. I pray for a spiritual awakening, Lord, where just like the people in Ephesus burned all their wicked witchcraft scrolls, Lord, that we would burn all the filthy things that drive people to this. Oh God, please hear our prayers. Protect Jay and Lauren, their family, their marriage. Protect them from the evil one. We ask these things. We ask your protection upon our church and us as you send us to. We pray these things because Jesus did as he sent his disciples into the world. In the wonderful name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.